right, all right, all right. What the fuck is up, people? It's Ron Sense. It's Ron. We're talking draft. So, those of you who uh, tuned into my uh, live stream for the first round of the draft, I appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll try and find some more things to kind of live, or uh, not a live stream, but a live viewing. Uh, obviously, you know, for <clears throat> obvious reasons, right? I can't show the draft on my Twitch stream, but. We watched it together. We talked in the chat. It was a lot of fun. I'm going to try and find more things like that to do where we can kind of have those uh, live viewing experiences. So um, this is one of the first drafts for me as a fan where I actually came out of it really happy. Uh, and that's because I'm you know, specifically a Bears fan. So... Uh, obviously for, well, so what, the past, what, two years or something like that, we haven't had a first round pick and I'm, I don't think we've had a second round pick if I'm not mistaken. So we, we actually just, you know, there's been nothing to really talk about. Like, right. When you just don't have first or second round picks for a draft, like that's kind of like. Oh, okay. You can get a little hyped up about your third round pick or whatever, but like, not really, you know, like, what are you going to actually do? I think for most of us, right? Once we get to the third round is right around that breaking point where we start to hear a lot of players who, whose names we probably haven't heard unless they play specifically for teams we root for. Uh, we start to see a lot more, uh, players coming from smaller schools. So it, it gets a lot harder to kind of keep track of. And frankly, um, I think it, and you know, it's like, I think what last year there were more, th- uh, starters picked in the third round throughout the NFL season than there were starters picked in the first round, which, uh, I mean, I guess shows you how much value there is in the third round. But, uh, I, I also think that <clears throat> it's very coin flippy, right? And I think a reason why a lot of third rounders get to start is because, a lot of first rounders get picked with a plan, if that makes sense, right? Like, so for example, um, a lot of times a quarterback gets picked under the, the premise that they don't have to start their first year. Uh, so obviously that can affect things. And then, and then you get other first rounders where, usually maybe they do start, you know, like basically every other position, except for maybe tackle. Sometimes tackles, I think, may not start is maybe the only other position where like sometimes they don't maybe start. But otherwise, I guess everyone in here is like supposed to. But it's also just really difficult because, you know, like people get hurt and people don't play as well as you expect them to in their first year and in certain positions you just basically can't have that especially when they're replaced like the the person who they're supposed to replace is playing better than them at this juncture for example uh you know it's like what are you gonna do but so but as a bears fan sorry i uh i got distracted here i've got a I'm not like I'm not sick, but I've got a little scratchy throat. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not sure what that's about. But anyway, so like when I talk too much, is like I, my throat starts to dry out. Like maybe I got to drink some more water or something. But I drank a good amount of water today. Anyways, so the first round um, was 
pretty wild. I, I think, I, I think there was certainly plenty of the obvious picks, right? I mean, one, two, very obvious, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. I think the San Francisco 49ers picking Trey Lance was very bizarre. I, I don't see it at all. Uh, um, I mean, I'm sure like, yeah, Trey Lance has upside, but he's, so he went to North Dakota State, which I, I, I know is sort of like, uh, obviously the premiere of D1AA, but <clears throat> obviously we've seen the Carson Wentz experiment start to play out. And sure, like he was pretty good his first year. And I guess he was the, whatever it was his second year or something like that. When they won the Super Bowl, he was like on an MVP pace until he got hurt. But then he's like very much fallen off since. And so I, I think that there's a, you know, a real possibility. And I guess, you know, we'll kind of see, uh, now that I, I forget where is he at now? Cause he's not on the Eagles anymore. He is on the Colts. That's right. So yeah, he's on the Colts. <clears throat> so we'll see how the, the Colts handle this, right? Because obviously the whole, the Colts were, um, a, a competitive team with Philip Rivers, but I, I mean, I, I'm not certain that we can say for sure that Philip Rivers last year was worse than Carson Wentz. So we're going to have to see how that plays out. I, I guess the, you know, time will kind of tell on that one, right? Is sort of like, you know, Will uh, will he pan out in Indianapolis in a way that makes you think that Philadelphia was really the problem? But it's just hard to say that when you know Philadelphia was obviously uh, pretty pretty fucking good with Nick Foles. So uh, obviously they had the talent, and one of the things was uh, obviously that year is they had a really really good defensive line that carried them and offensive line that you know speaks to by the way how important the offensive and defensive lines are, and yet do not get nearly the investment that you think that they should. You, like you'd think after this stage of NFL football, right. That we would start to see teams uh, realize this. And yet it just seems like they're not, they're just not ready to, for some reason, for example, uh, what was it a couple of years ago when the Raiders were really good. And then Derek Carr broke his leg. I, I mean, predominantly that Raiders team was so good because their offensive line was just mauling everybody. Uh, similarly, earlier on, uh, Dak Prescott had so much early success in part because that Dallas Cowboys offensive line was so oppressive. And so uh, we've seen these examples of teams who are sort of like, quote unquote, overperforming based on what we typically analyze, right? Which is like, who's the quarterback, who's their skill position players, and who's like their edge rushers and maybe corners under circumstance, other under cir- certain circumstances, right? But we don't pay attention to how much offensive and defensive line play a role. We've started to a little bit more with defensive line, right, because of edge rushers and the theory of getting to the quarterback with four, because if you don't have to blitz, that gives you so much more. I don't know if I just hit my uh, microphone. That was weird. Uh, so, you, you know, we're... We have realized that if you don't blitz, that gives you an extra man in coverage. Clearly, that's an advantage when it comes to the passing game. So we're starting to see more of this, uh, you know, uh, valuing of the defensive line. But the offensive line still seems to get very, very little value, which is kind of surprising because um, I'm, I'm not sure 
that like the numbers would bear this out. But if I were to guess, I would guess that the next most singular most drafted position over the course of, you know, NFL history when it comes to first round picks is, you know, right after quarterback is probably left tackle. I mean, I'm sure there's probably there's that that may not actually end up being like there's probably possibly something else, right? Like maybe maybe receiver or like linebacker or something like that that's kind of in there or like especially like lately defensive end. Um, but it would not surprise me if if left tackle was the second most or at least in the top five. Um, but anyways, so we we kind of look at how little value is kind of going into the offensive line and yet how much of a giant difference it actually can make over the course of an NFL season as opposed to like constantly investing into like singular skill positions that are so much more coin flippy, especially like quarterback. It's like you pay like how many quarterbacks have recently won Super Bowls on like big contracts, right? Like, we, we, and I know that there's like some statistics people who kind of like, you know, some of the numbers people, the whatever analyst community within NFL tries to like dispute this and is like, well, that's not true and blah, blah, blah. You know, salary cap goes up every year. So that means that their cap hit is less and less and less. And I'm like, okay. And yet these quarterbacks that keep getting paid keep not winning. So like, I don't know. It's kind of like this kind of funny math that they're trying to do to verify, like, to basically, I, I don't know if it's because they're trying to not be the ones that, like, kind of put a pin into the balloon that is, uh, or, like, the bubble, I guess, that is, like, quarterback salaries. But at some point here, people are going to have to start to recognize a little bit more often that, like, getting a quarterback on a rookie deal is going to give you so much more room to be better elsewhere, and then... If you're just getting like average play out of a rookie quarterback, in a lot of cases, that could be enough. And if, and, and then if you're getting above average play out of your rookie quarterback, then you have like very legitimate or rookie contract quarterback, I should say. It doesn't have to be their first year, but whatever, in their first four years, right? Because you get three years and then the, and then the team option. So within the first four years, if you can put a team together that performs while your quarterback is at average at, at least and maybe above average, then like that's seems to be the sweet spot for where like you can get legitimate um winning formula right because even if we look at Tom Brady right Tom Brady's deal is not that expensive uh and especially when he was with the Patriots it wasn't very expensive um and then you know who else right so you had Carson Wentz on his rookie contract at the time and then Nick Foles was a backup uh before that you had what who else you had Mahomes before he got like the mega contract you had and then you know and then on the other side of things right the last uh the last time the Patriots won it was against the Rams in which Jared Goff was on that uh cheap contract you had um right that Eagles team and again the Patriots on the other side with Tom Brady on a, a pretty uh favorable contract the Patriots uh against the falcons that was one of the cases where you actually had like quite a bit of money invested into matt ryan where a team got there uh then before that was the broncos panthers i think cam newton was on a pretty rich deal um but i don't think he was on like a near record breaking sort of because like nowadays right it's like basically every quarterback that signs is breaking the record uh, and then on the other case, you had the Broncos with Peyton Manning, where he was uh, like on his last legs. I don't know them uh, exactly how much that contract was, but it was certainly not like a crazy contract. 
Then you had the Patriot Seahawks, Russell Wilson on a rookie deal, uh, Tom Brady on a player-friendly deal. Before that, it was the Seahawks Broncos. You had, uh, again, Peyton Manning on uh, a fairly cheap deal, Russell Wilson on a rookie on a rookie contract. Uh, and then before that was the, the Ravens and 49ers. I believe Joe Flacco was on like a decent deal because I think it was... I think it was after that Super Bowl that Joe Flacco got paid. So before that, I don't, I mean, I don't think it was his rookie contract still, but it was, it was, it had to, it couldn't have possibly still been his rookie contract at that time, but it wasn't like an out of, out of this park, uh, deal. And then the 49ers was Kaepernick, uh, who was technically right there backup quarterback at that time because it was Alex Smith at the time. And at that time, Alex Smith, I believe is still on his rookie contract. So again, you did not have a lot of money tied up into the quarterbacks. Giants, Patriots, that's probably the first one where you're looking at, uh, but it, but you know, at that time, that's 2011. And I think that, you know, I, I don't know what quarterback, I just don't recall what quarterback contracts looked like at that time. I would have to do some more digging to kind of see like, what, what did, what did that actually look like at that time? Because I, I, I mean, obviously these were two big quarterbacks, and I think this was probably around a time period where Tom Brady was still getting like bigger quarterback contracts, and Eli Manning, I'm sure, had a good contract. But again, what's interesting, the, the quarterbacks really weren't the difference maker in this game, right? This was a 21-17 game in which like the Giants' defensive line was insane, and the Patriots' defense was also very good. Um, I mean, obviously they were. Also, I, I think, well, that was the Randy Moss year. So it was, uh, you know, this was the, oh, no, no, no. Wait, was this Randy Moss year? No, 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 no. This wasn't Randy Moss because this was Wes Welker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This wasn't the Randy Moss year. This, right, because the first one was the Randy Moss year where they, uh, where, where they were undefeated going into it. So, okay. And then before that was Packers Steelers. Uh, again, this is another example of like maybe I, I I mean I think Aaron Rodgers was on a pretty decent contract at that point, and obviously Ben Roethlisberger I think was on a, a pretty healthy contract at that point. Um, but but again, so if we're looking at that, and let's say let's say that's the the last time that we saw like two very high like quarterbacks at very high pay ranges for the time winning. Uh, like or both in the Super Bowl at the same time, and one of them winning. It, that's 2010. So we're looking at 11 years ago now. Was the last time that we saw that. So I don't know what's kind of taking so long on this, like getting the cheap quarterback and then like investing that money elsewhere. Because you think about right, like um, Patrick Mahomes, right? And and I'm not I'm not sitting here arguing that you shouldn't be paying fat Patrick Mahomes because I think Patrick Mahomes is. Obviously, someone that maybe you could argue is actually worth the money, but still, I mean, we saw like right they came up short this this past year, and in part because they just have too many holes that needed to be filled, and especially on the defense, and that's the big thing. And and then offensive line was also an issue, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes was getting rushed a lot, and 
And so you think about, for for example, right, uh, Mahomes making whatever, 40 some odd million dollars a year. Let's say you pay your quarterback $15 million a year, free up roughly $30 million to spread across your offensive line to make sure that you're like getting like the best options at offensive line. That's, that's averaging what? If you say five offensive linemen with one swingman offensive lineman on top of it. So you're looking at roughly $5 million extra dollars, uh, per year per lineman. I mean, I think that that can make a huge difference, especially if you're obviously going to over, you know, put a lot more value on your blindside tackle, predominantly your left tackle. So maybe your left tackle gets a little bit more than everybody else. But uh still, like looking at investing more money into those positions, especially because uh offensive linemen, uh, obviously injury is always a thing, right? But offensive linemen actually generally are a much easier uh and more... um consistent position to to analyze and expect results from right like so something that with quarterbacks is that we do see a lot of fluctuation in quarterbacks ability and that obviously has a lot to do with what's surrounding the quarterback the quarterback has a lot of right like if the offensive line is bad that's going to affect the quarterback if the quarterback's receivers are bad that's going to affect them if the running back isn't very like the running back slash running game isn't very good that's a problem um you know, if the defense is bad, then it puts the quarterback in a position where they have to, you know, basically play gunslinger all the time. That can affect in a negative way. If the play calling is bad, this affects. But, like, offensive line is basically immune to all of these problems, right? Like, uh, offensive line, like, obviously play calling can potentially uh, impact it because, like, you could block amazingly, but if it's just the worst play call in the world, then it's not going to go anywhere but even then you actually, if you block so well, you might have a chance for it to go somewhere. So like, there's a much more surefire thing about offensive line because like they basically are, the, they're the basis for everything. So, and look, I mean, obviously, you know, for those that know me, I was an offensive lineman back when I played football in high school. So maybe I'm, I'm a bit of a homer. I'm biased on this, but it just seems like this is like a really obvious place where this is the position with the least variance and like year over year performance tends to be roughly the same. I mean, uh, obviously you have your fall off with age, but it's very rare that you see offensive linemen go from being really good one year to just bad the next year. But uh, think about how many like players on defense you see this happen to think about how many uh, receivers and tight ends and quarterbacks and running backs that you see this happen. The, the fall is very precipitous on those positions compared to offensive line where you can see an offensive lineman have like a stretch of, you know, four to five years of like really consistent play where you know what you're going to get. And Frank and many offensive linemen for that matter, even more. So I think there's something to be said about that because uh, a lot of it is technique and a lot of it is just sort of, I mean, basically drive to play. Uh, and, and so it just seems like if you can, if you can utilize that low variance, and like leverage that that you would have a lot more value uh in your in your at least on the offensive side of your ball and fairly similar for the defensive side of the ball too right because the defensive line kind of dictates a lot right i I mean because if the defensive line is so dominant then basically none of the other positions on defense even matter right I, i mean um for example we see like um interceptions caused because defensive line gets their hands on the ball get is rushing the quarterback um 
you know, is making, is, is disrupting plays, all, all that kind of stuff, right? If the defensive line does that, then there's no need really for like corners and safeties and linebackers to do basically anything. And, and so, and then same thing on, on, uh, in the running game. If the defensive line is so good at stuffing the line of scrimmage that like running backs never have an opportunity to really find a hole, then like, I mean, you probably still need linebackers in that case because, like, there's, you know, it is still generally speaking, right? A four, you know, uh, five offensive linemen versus four defensive linemen. And so theoretically, there should always be a hole to find. But still, uh, again, so then you need like one or two linebackers. So again, like, you're only actually needing to utilize five to six players of your defense, um, consistently. So, Again, that's why it's it's very surprising to me when we put a lot of emphasis on like the the quarterback in a in a way that just. But I I know that's kind of an aside. Then that actually, it, my point is okay. Is Trey Lance okay? Sorry, we went on a huge tangent just to get like off of Trey Lance, just to get back to, uh, because right we were talking about Carson Wentz, North Dakota State, whatever. Okay, so. Trey Lance goes North North Dakota State. I'm not going to say that that's necessarily a bad thing, but obviously it does affect the competition he plays against. Uh, secondly, he only played 17 games in college. Now, as a Bears fan, I happen to have a lot of experience with taking a quarterback who does not have a lot of games in college. A la Mitch Trubisky had, what, 14 games in college? And he came into the NFL and was clearly not ready for it clearly just had not had enough experience playing football at an elevated level to to ever succeed. It, there was just no way. It, there was no way that under any circumstances he was going to be able to succeed because he just simply shouldn't have been drafted. And and I'm not saying this like that he was an NFL talent in terms of like his athleticism and whatnot, but he should have stayed in college at least one more year. Because you just cannot you cannot tell me that playing, you know, 14, 17 games of college football is adequately going to prepare you for the quarterback position. Okay. They're, like other positions. Yes. But quarterback, no, because quarterback needs too much. Like there, there's too much that has to do on the mental side of quarterback that requires like reps and firsthand experience that like you cannot just like can't just fabricate it. Right. Like if you look at generally speaking, all of the successful quarterbacks in the league, look at how many games they played in college prior to being drafted. Right. Like and so you can I mean, you can make some sort of argument of like chicken and the egg. Right. Because if they were so good that like, you know, if they were so good, then obviously uh, they would they would be playing more games in college. And then vice versa, if they weren't that good, then maybe they wouldn't have played as many games in college, and that should kind of get you to the same level of logic. But, um, you know, I just don't, I just don't, I, I look at 17 games, I'm like, out of all the quarterbacks, because I'm not saying that necessarily Mac Jones, well, I do think that um, Justin Fields certainly has a, a good argument for being ahead of Trey Lance. And I think that Mac Jones probably does too, although, like, I, I get it. Um, if like, maybe you're sort of like, is the, are they really going to be better than Trey Lance? But at least you have a lot more to work with to decide that versus like, you know, this is just such a risk uh, on Trey Lance. And I just don't see, I just don't see the reason 
to take that level of risk, right? Especially with the third pick. Like if you're if you're set on Trey Lance, I think you can I think you can easily trade down and get him. Which is like important because you had leverage to do that because look who got dra- gets drafted immediately after, right? Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Panay Sewell. All three of these are potential third overall picks. All, all of these are acceptable um third overall picks. And not to mention Justin Fields, also an acceptable third third overall pick, by the way. So <clears throat> we look at those those four available players at the time that they picked Trey Lance. You're telling me you couldn't find anybody that would trade up for your spot. Like you you couldn't find someone who would trade up. You couldn't have someone trade up from seven, from eight, from nine, from ten, you know, whatever. Like, because uh, frankly, as far as I, as far as I can tell, you could have probably traded back into like, you know, the 14 spot or something like that and gotten Trey Lance. So I, I think you had a lot of room to trade back into and be able to get who you wanted. So in my mind, I think that's a bad pick. Um, it's not to say that he won't work out, right? But I just think that as far as the value of the position, uh, I, I just don't see why it is that you take Trey Lance there. But as a Bears fan, I'm fucking thrilled about it, right? Because like, you know, whatever for me, right? I, I'm, I get out of this getting Justin Fields at the 11th pick, who I think is just an obvious, I, I mean, I think that there's a lot more reason to have faith in Justin Fields than there is to have in, in Trey Lance personally. And this comes from me who I, I, again, I'm going to reiterate here when it comes to Mac Jones and Justin Fields that I was skeptical on both because Penn State or Penn State, Ohio State and Alabama both consistently have quarterbacks that are in the Heisman conversation like every single year. They have quarterbacks that are just putting up bonkers numbers. They're winning everything, blah, blah, blah. And then these quarterbacks go to the NFL and don't do anything, right? I mean, Name the last, like, really successful Ohio State or Alabama quarterback, right? I mean, because I think the last out of both that actually had, like, some sort of a quote-unquote career in the NFL was A.J. McCarron as, a as like, a career backup quarterback, right? I, I mean, then who else, right? Out of Ohio State, Cardale Jones doesn't work out. Um you know, uh, Dwayne Haskins certainly does not appear to be working out already. Um, JT Barrett doesn't end up doing anything. Um, Braxton Miller goes on to be a wide receiver. Um, and then who else out of Alabama? I mean, obviously, so I I guess Jalen Hurts is TBD, right? Jalen Hurts might end up being an Alabama quarterback and Tua Tua might end up being so we may actually have an example of two Alabama quarterbacks recently but even still those are up in the air those are not surefire there's a lot of people who are not exactly sold on Tua for for example and Jalen Hurts I think at the you know things have just gotten so sour with Carson Wentz that people are just willing to try Jalen Hurts, and especially because they got him in whatever the second or third round or something like that. So it's not like they invested that much to get him, considering the position. That 
I, I think that, you know, there's a willingness to try, but there's certainly nothing so far that tells you for sure that you hit on either of those picks, Tua or Jalen. So, and if anything, Jalen did go to Oklahoma for his last year. So that's kind of like a, uh, you know, that's a, it's a little eh in terms of getting to claim him as Alabama quarterback, I guess. It's a little bit like half and half there. Uh, so anyways, though, and then after, right, Jake Coker, who has like, who like out duels J- Deshaun Watson in the national title game, whatever, five, six years ago, whatever it was now, I, you know, doesn't even get drafted. Um, I, I can't even think of like, I can't even think of any other names at the moment. Right. But so that's what I'm saying. Like historically, both these schools have such like, productive quarterbacks that can't actually play in the NFL, which is in part because these schools have so much talent and everything else, right? So what I was telling people is I'm glad we went Justin Fields over Mac Jones because the Ohio State pass catchers were really fucking good, but like the Alabama pass catchers were like, I'm I'm not kidding. I think I could have like thrown for like 3000 yards uh, as the Alabama quarterback like right now with those with those pass catchers. It, you know what I mean? Like look at it. He has a he has a Heisman trophy winning uh receiver. First first Heisman trophy winning receiver in like decade uh or longer than that, like multiple decades. And then you have Jalen Waddle who gets drafted before your Heisman Trophy winning re- receiver. So, like, you had two of your receivers get drafted in the top ten of the draft. And then they also have, um, I think there's someone else, there's some other receiver on their team who, like, uh, uh, is obviously coming back for another year, who was also sick. Like, uh, like what? and then also on top of that, you had Najee Harris as, like, just an unstoppable running back. Like, and you had, um, what, two, one or two of your, um, I guess it was just one offensive lineman who was reached for sure. Like, they reached for Alex Leatherwood, I, I think the Raiders did. But you still had a first-round pick offensive lineman also. You, you know, even if you say he was going to get picked where he, sh- like, people projected him, say, second-round pick offensive lineman, you still have... Like, a very talented, and I think there was, you know, some offensive linemen from that team that went in, like, the second and third-ish round, if I don't, if I recall correctly. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, you have a very stacked team around you, like, to a degree that it's, like, really hard to tell, like, how good actually were you at quarterback. That being said, of course, the Patriots get him, and who knows what the fuck's gonna happen there. Um... But anyways, right, so so back to my point of I, I'm much happier that the Bears went with Justin Fields. I think that that is a much more likely pick to work out as compared to uh, Mac Jones. I know that we traded a lot to get up to that spot, but I think that it was the right move because it was the obvious thing we needed to try. We obviously needed to try and go quarterback. So we give up a lot to go up the nine spots. But Justin Fields has already fallen to a point that's ridiculous, right? 11th pick is pretty crazy for Justin Fields. In in my opinion, I think he's at the very least he's got to be top 10, right? 
under all circumstances, I think that he's a top 10 pick. Of course, it also matters about like, what do you need? And you could have argued that the Lions could have tried to draft a quarterback. You certainly could have argued that the uh, Broncos should have drafted a quarterback, but there was also this stuff stuff about possibly Aaron Rodgers is going to the Broncos. And frankly, I'm not so certain that that's not off the table yet because the Broncos did not go like quarterback at all in a very bizarre, like they go Patrick Sertan, who is an insanely good cornerback, but like out of all the positions that the Broncos needed, like for in terms of like improving corner had to be on the lower end of like needs for that team. So that is really surprising to me unless they really, because like what there's going to be drew lock and Teddy Bridgewater. Like I know Teddy Bridgewater's fine and drew lock. I don't know. He's probably like middle of the pack. Not, and I don't even mean middle of the pack starter. I mean, middle of the pack, like including backups across the league. Like he's probably okay. Like, as something that will not really ever do anything for you other than just not absolutely terrible. So, so what are you doing? What are you doing with this Broncos team? Uh, like, when those are going to be your two quarterbacks, right? Like, you still have some really talented players on defense. You have some very talented uh, receivers in, and, uh, and you have, like, you know, you have a little bit, you have some, you definitely have some talent also in the running back position. So like there, there's, there are players on this team and then it's just like, but then if you just like, literally, I mean, all of a sudden if, if Aaron Rodgers is on the Broncos, like that's, that team's contending, right? I mean, obviously they're going to be in the same division as the Chiefs. Um, and so that's, that's pretty crazy. Uh, as well as the Chargers, for that matter, who are, like, not to be trifled with either, I don't think. I think that that team is really on the, like, the Chargers are a team that were so much better than their record. And frankly, that was good for them to be that way, right? Because then, at the 13th pick, they get um the next best tackle on the board in Rashawn Slater. And that's, like, exactly what they needed. And so, um, you know... <clears throat> Again, I I just think that I don't know what the Broncos are doing there, and you know, and then with the uh, with the Panthers, you're I mean, you could argue should they have picked a quarterback? Maybe I mean, but you know, for the moment they're going to try the Sam Darnold experiment, and that's fine, that's reasonable. So yeah, I mean, you look at it, and there's like there's a couple picks here who like there's two there's two picks for sure that you look at, and they're like you guys could have definitely gone quarterback because like right lions with jared goff and then the you know the broncos situation so and frankly um the falcons i think could have gone i like i was saying this in the live stream like i I understand that kyle pitts like probably at that point is just the best player on the board but Name me a game last season where the Falcons lost because of pass catching, right? Like, I know Julio Jones getting older, but you still have Julio Jones. You have Calvin Ridley. Hayden Hurst is fine. I'm pretty sure he's still there. I'm not positive, but he was a, he was adequate tight end. I'm not saying that obviously Kyle Pitts is not obviously much better than Hayden Hurst, 
But is his is the gap between what you get out of Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst bigger than the gap that you have in a, a lot of other places? Like, including offensive line, ev- literally everything on defense. Literally everything. That, every position on that defense is bad except for like, um, what's his face? The edge rusher from Clemson. I can't remember his name. But like, other than that, like, you need linebackers, you need corners, you need safeties. Like, and you could definitely do with more offensive, uh, linemen, like, as well. So you're telling me that tight end was is somehow going to make a difference next year. When and like obviously by picking tight end, right, you're saying we're committed to Matt Ryan, whose window is narrow. And so like but it's like okay, if you pick one of the quarterbacks then like okay, you're still committed to Matt Ryan, but like how many years does Matt Ryan have left? There there's like I just don't get this, like, this whole thing. There's no shame in the idea that, like, they pick your replacement, like, so that they, that your replacement can, like, I don't know how many years are left in Matt Ryan's contract. I think it's, like, two or three. Let's see if we can find it really quick here. Uh, Matt Ryan contract. How many more years does he have? Spotrack. Okay, let's see. So he's got, yeah, he's got the 2022 season and the 2023 season. Okay. So that like he's got two he's got two years left. Why not? Because at so at the end of twenty twenty three he's going to be thirty eight years old before twenty twenty four starts. He's thirty nine. What is wrong with picking quarterback when you have the fourth pick? And there's like Justin Fields, for example, on the board. I you know I don't get it. I don't get it. I think that. To to me, like, if your commitment really is to Matt Ryan, um, like, Kyle Pitts at four doesn't, I don't think, actually impacts your ability to win in the next two years, the next two years of the Matt Ryan window. I don't. And then what? So you get two years along just so that you can get another quarterback at that time. So now Kyle Pitts is halfway through his rookie contract. Let's say he's awesome. Great. But now, like, then what? Julio Jones is almost is almost definitely retired at that point, or is very close to it. Calvin Ridley, you're gonna have to pay. And and then what? What's going on with the rest of your team? Like, versus I just think that there's there's so much more room to to try something with like getting one of these good quarterbacks now that's falling to you. And then, and then figuring something out from there because I don't think pass catching changes anything for the Falcons, which maybe they're fine with. I guess maybe they are just not. Maybe they don't care about the last two years of Matt Ryan, and they're just gonna try and have the same season again so that they can be the fourth pick again and get a quarterback next year or get a fucking you know something else next year and then a quarterback the year after that. I I don't know, but to me it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, the Bengals, I think that's Jamar Chase is an obvious pick. Um, I, I think whether it was Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, or Devonta Smith, uh, doesn't matter. I think wide receiver was an obvious pick. Um, 
I I mean, okay, so you could have gone Panay Sewell, but they drafted, what was it, last year? They Last year or two years ago, they drafted very highly. Uh, well, I mean, I guess obviously last year they drafted um, Joe Burrow, but I think that they, they drafted a tackle later on. But I think maybe it was two years ago. The Bengals drafted like a first-round pick, like early first-round pick left tackle who just happened to get hurt. I can't remember his name, but... I, I mean, if you're still committed to, like, he could be good, like, he's just got to come back from his injury, then I don't see any reason why it is that you have to, like, because I know a lot of people are like, oh, you have to go offensive line. It's just, like, you have to do it. You have to do it from Joe Burrow, whatever. I, I mean, I, I think that their offensive line just suffered injuries. I think that there's a possibility that their offensive line can still be fine. And I think that they can sign players, and I think that they had some young players that they're going to try and fill into those spots. So going Jamar Chase, um, obviously you get the connection of the Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow thing. Um, I, I, obviously, I think A.J. Green is now gone, or I mean, A.J. Green's basically out of the picture at this point, right? I mean, um, yeah, he's on the Cardinals. Yeah, so so A.J. Green's out of the picture, right? Which he has been for a little bit here, basically, but he's officially out of the picture. So now you have... T. Higgins, who you just got last last year, right? You got T. Higgins later on last year. Um, you have Taj Taj Boyd, Tyler Boyd, and um, I think they have one other guy I can't think of. But so to me, I think Jamar Chase makes a lot of sense for them. I think going r- wide receiver made more sense for them than going tackle. Same thing with the uh, the Dolphins. I think that I think Jalen Waddle was an obvious. Uh, again, whether it was Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, doesn't matter. I think both of them were obvious picks for the Dolphins. You could say Panay Sewell, but I don't think that I, I don't know that. Um, I I I I think you could be okay with Panay Sewell, but I think you're you're better off going with the wide receiver pick. Uh, personally, Panay Sewell I think is a good pick for the Lions, except for the fact that like they're gonna just try this Jared Goff experiment. And and again, maybe the, I think that the Lions. The Lions are a team who basically have no reason not to look long-term. <clears throat> and so they can go Panay Sewell this year. Potentially just, again, be terrible. Which is fine because they, they I think in part, they kind of want to ride out the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay experience. And they want to see if the Bears can fall off or what's going to happen there. And the Vikings are the Vikings, so whatever, you know. <clears throat> um, you can just never tell what the Vikings are going to be until the year starts. So I think it's fine if you're not sold on quarterback because you have Jared Goff and he seems like he's okay-ish, not sure, that you go Panay Sewell, you give it one year of Jared Goff, see if it works out, and then if it doesn't work out, then obviously you're going to be a top pick again and you can go quarterback the next year. Fine. Um, And I, I already talked on Carolina. Uh... The Eagles traded up an interdivision trade, by the way. That was pretty wild. Uh, but the Eagles trade up uh, with Dallas to get Devonta Smith. That makes a lot of sense. Obviously, right. You're going to go for the J- – you're going to try this Jalen Hurts experiment. Go get Devonta Smith and, you know, give him some weapons. I think is Alshon still there maybe? Um, Zach Ertz, I think, is still there. Um and then you got um 
there's someone else that they got recently, right? They got a young they've they've got a couple young receivers, right? They've got a couple young receivers that they're gonna try and make work. Um and then you get Devonta Smith, and then maybe that's that's enough to really get you a chance um for the Eagles, at least on offense. <clears throat> um obviously we, we we talked about the Bears trading up with the Giants. Love it. I think it was I think it was probably um when you look all in all, I think it was the best pick of the first round. <clears throat> I, I think that the Bears and, and like I know obviously Bears fan, I'm biased, whatever, but I, I genuinely think this is the best pick of the first round because you're getting Justin Fields at the eleventh pick. Um the Bears needed quarterback more than any other position, right? Like, what are we gonna do? Andy Dalton? No. Like the Bears have a defense that's still capable of winning right now. We have talent on offense with Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson. Um, we we have we have a chance of being good enough. A chance of being good enough. And so, if especially with that defense specifically, if you're going to try and take that that defensive window that's also narrow, you have to just try this. And so I, I think that the, the Bears made the most, imp- like, what I mean by the best pick in the first round is they made the most impactful pick for their team. Like, compared to any other team, how much did any one team's pick impact their team? The, like, the Bears impacted their team the most with their pick. It may not work out. I'm not saying it's going to work out for sure. What I'm saying is that they're giving themselves the highest ceiling to work with now out of any other team what that ceiling gives them out of their pick. Micah Parsons goes to the Cowboys off that interdivisional trade. Smart of the Cowboys because I think that they wanted Micah Parsons either way. They knew that the Bears weren't going to pick him, and they knew trading with the Eagles that the Eagles didn't want him. So I think you trade back a little bit, get a little bit some value back. You get Micah Parsons. Um, excellent, excellent player. Uh, I'm a huge fan, obviously, as, as someone who uh, keeps close tabs on Penn State. I think it was a great pick. Um, we'll see if that's enough for for the uh, Dallas Cowboys defense to be like any bit fucking less than a sieve. But so then we got the Chargers, Rashawn Slater. I talked about it. I think that was the best pick for them. <clears throat> you go Elijah Vera Tucker for the Jets at the 14th pick. They traded up with Minnesota for that pick. Makes a lot of sense. You're getting Zach Wilson with your second pick, right? You're going quarterback. You want to try and get something to protect your quarterback. Um, and there wasn't anything else that you'd trade up for, right? There's, there's no court, there's no receivers that you're trading up for. Um, there's no, there's basically no other position you'd be willing to trade up for other than something in the offensive line. And in this case, they go guard. Um, I think that there's possibly some people that would potentially look and say Christian Darasaw. I don't know. I, I, I'd, I'm, but I think that in my opinion, probably going interior lineman here is, uh, perfectly fine. Especially once you saw, uh, Rashawn Slater come off the board. Cause frankly, they probably wanted Rashawn's, they probably were looking at this and they're like, we're making this trade no matter what. And if Rashawn Slater's there, we take him. And if not, we go Elijah Vera Tucker. And I think that's fine. Uh, Mac Jones to the Patriots, obvious move. Um, just ridiculous that somehow the Patriots can sit there at 15 and get a quarterback to fall to them. Um, Zayvon Collins for the Cardinals. Uh, this, this I think was, uh, a good pick for them because their defense is not very good. Uh, 
outside linebacker out of Tulsa. He will see if that was the move or not in terms of like, is he actually the value in terms of defense that you needed? I mean, obviously, um, you know, a couple picks later, the Dolphins go Jalen Phillips, who had injury issues, but um, in terms of his on-field ability, uh, I think Jalen Phillips is the better player. And you're looking at outside linebacker versus defensive end. I think there's, you know, there's there's certainly room for, for them to, you know, effectively play the same position, uh, especially these days. I mean, there's Jameen Davis, uh, who then comes in after that for the Washington football team. I think that's a fine pick for them just because you're going with like, you know, it's sort of like, who do you pick instead? And I don't think that there's a great option unless they went with a corner, like maybe Caleb Farley um, or Greg Newsom, perhaps. Uh, I think that those are like basically what the only, those are the corners that would have been worth picking in, in that spot. So they go Jameen Davis inside linebacker. That's fine. They needed linebackers. I think that there's, I think also, um, they could have gone Quiddy Pay, I think, but their defensive line's already so good, actually. The, the Washington football team's defensive line's good. So maybe you get a linebacker because they're going to benefit the most from your good defensive line. But I think a corner would have been a good move too, personally. For them, especially. I think corner would have been a, a really good move. So then you get, uh, the Giants who traded back with the Bears to the 20th pick. They go Kadarius Tony. Um, Seems like a bit of a reach to go Kadarius Tony here. I don't think they had to go with him. I think they could have used their second round pick to get him potentially. Um, maybe not. I guess they are kind of far down in the second round to to be able to. Um, <sighs> trying to look here. Well, I mean, I guess. Yeah, the giant. Well, yeah, because the Giants didn't the Giants trade with the Dolphins, isn't that right? So the Giants maybe didn't have. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to recall how this worked exactly. Um, but anyways, right. So the Giants, yeah, because I think they traded back with the Dolphins at that point. So the Giants could have at the pick that they had, but then they traded back. So maybe they get the value out of that. I, I don't know. I, I think that, I, I think that they could have gone something else. I, I think receiver's fine for them, but I don't know that receiver is necessarily like that big of a difference for them. Like I know they're still trying with Daniel Jones. They want to get something that can potentially help Daniel Jones. Um, and so with, you know, within that respect, I get it. But I think that, you know, there, again, were picks like the Quiddy Pay, who came right after him out of the defensive end, Caleb Farley at corner, um, even, I think, Christian Derisaw, uh, the tackle would have been a really good pick for them. Um, I, I think that those all would have been better picks for the Giants, uh, to be honest. Um, so then, right, so then right after that, you get Quiddy Pay, uh, defensive end from, from Michigan goes to the Colts, and I, I know people were very high on him, I don't recall exactly why it was that he fell, 
Um, but I think that that's a good pick for the Colts. Um, although the, I mean, the Colts are kind of just like stacking on top of their already good defense. But again, I think this is a, this is a question of like, unless you trade back, what else do you do? Because, uh, if you look at everything left that's picked in the first round, it's all defensive players. At this point, you're only picking defensive players except for the two sort of out of nowhere running back picks that like nobody else would actually make. And then if you even go into like early second round, you're still looking at predominantly, um, or at least half and half defensive players. I mean, you're, you do see, uh, the Bears get Tevin Jenkins, uh, but, and, and who, by the way, I think, a hundred percent was a steal for the Bears. We'll get to that. That is another amazing pick for the Bears. You have Landon Dickerson, the center. I don't think you needed center, if I remember correctly, in um in Indianapolis. And they do have some good offensive linemen, but I think that um yeah, I mean I, I don't think that there's any picks really that you take uh other than a defensive player. And so in that in in that regard, I think that Quiddy pays uh, a fine pick. I think he's the best defensive player on the board at that moment. And you go with that. Uh, Titans with Caleb Farley, I think was also fine. I, I think that that's a, that's a pick that makes perfect sense for them. I think it's a need for them. I, I think that if you look at who else got picked like in the near term afterwards, I don't think there's any of them that you would take over Caleb Farley. Uh, in my mind, I, I don't see a position that they would they should have preferred to go with. Um, Vikings go Christian Derisaw. This was a great pick uh, for them. This was, I think they get value. I think Christian Derisaw could have gone sooner than he did. And I think that they obviously had offensive line problems. And so we look at that and we say, okay, yeah, like that, that makes perfect sense. Uh, Steelers really shock the world a little bit with going with Najee Harris. I don't think it's a, I don't think that Najee Harris is a bad, um, pick for the Steelers to have on their team or a bad player to have on their team. I think that I don't see why they take him at the 24th pick. If that's really what they wanted, if they wanted Najee Harris, look at all the teams just picking defense behind them. Just, just trade out of the first round. In, in my opinion, I think you could trade out of the first round and still get Najee Harris. Uh, and then the, you know, even more perplexing, the Jaguars pick at Travis Etienne, which I think makes no sense because you have James Robinson, who obviously like hugely overperformed for you last year, is already on a cheap contract. Do you really need to invest another first round pick, even if a Travis Etienne is really good and obviously played with Trevor Lawrence, your new quarterback? I, I think you either trade back and pick up Travis Etienne later, or I think you just go with a different pick. I, I, I just don't see it. I don't see the point why the Jags would go running back there. Greg Newsome for the Browns, I think, is a fine pick. I think that the Browns' defense is terrible. I think that them going corner fits a need for them. So that's fine, right? Like, I think that was probably the best available pick. Um... Uh, and specifically for a position that they need the most in corner, it would probably either be corner or safety. I think out of the two positions, that was probably still the best pick. Uh, Ravens go Rashad Bateman. I don't think there's much to say here. I think that he was obviously really good at Minnesota. I'm not surprised that, you know, like he goes in the, in the first round. He was a very good receiver. Uh, the Ravens probably do need pass catching. 
And frankly, uh, a lot of, again, you look at what else is picked around them. I don't think they need any of those players as much as they need a receiver. Uh, Peyton Turner, defensive end for um, the Saints. The Saints kind of continuing on with their strategy of like reaching on defensive ends for no reason. Um, just like uh, what's his face out of Troy, a couple, or was it Troy a couple of years ago or some some small school? Uh, Marcus Davenport, or no, it was like UTEP. Right, it was like UTEP that for no reason they picked with like the 14th pick. Uh, so yeah, they're just keeping that trend alive of just reaching on defensive ends, like for like absolutely no reason, especially as their quarterback retires. Um, you, you know, it's just I mean I know they have Jameis Winston, and I think actually the Saints are going to be good with Jameis Winston, but I just don't see how this helps them. I, I think that you could go. I, I think you'd be better off with. Like basically any anything else, and, and frankly, just trading out of the round would be fine. Um, Eric Stokes, cornerback to the Packers, I think that's fine because um, you have Jair Alexander already, who's been insanely good. I think they still have Kevin King, but maybe not. I think that he mainly plays nickel, if I recall correctly. So you get Eric Stokes, who is another long um, and, and like impressive corner out of Georgia. I think that that pairs well with Jair Alexander. I think it makes a lot of sense for the Packers to look at that and say, like, yes, we can get a good corner cornerback pairing together that could potentially lead to our defense being extremely difficult to deal with, especially when you look at, um, you know, a little bit of gamesmanship, right? If they play in the NFC North, where right now um, you're going to have a rookie quarterback in the Bears, so there's the possibility of abusing that, right? The rookie quarterback's going to have some growing pains. You have Jared Goff for... The Lions, so the Lions are looking like it's very possible to abuse their offense. And then you have the Vikings, whose offense is um, very run-heavy. And while they sometimes have good nights on passing, it's not really like... So if you get ahead of them and then you force them to pass, again, you might be able to abuse the Vikings' offense. So... You look at that and you say, okay, well, like, let's invest in defense. And because that gives us the best chance at out of, you know, right, you're going to play six games against your division. That's, that's the, you know, that's pretty solid as far as positioning yourself from playoff schedule later of getting ahead of your division and and all that. Right. So, um, Miami, Greg Rousseau, uh, I think is fine again. So they go two defensive ends in the first round. Uh, I think that's fine. Obviously, the Miami defense actually kind of outperformed last year. And you get two now uh, edge rushers to potentially uh, help sort of uh, create some sort of disruption over there. And and so I, I think that, you know, maybe that's maybe that's a good pick. Uh, you know, I think that that is fine. I think you could have gone um, outside linebacker, but that's fine. So then uh, Ravens... <clears throat> um, Get Odafe Owe out of Penn State as well. Another excellent outside linebacker. The Penn State defense had some really good players on it. I'm not surprised to see him get picked. Um, somewhat surprised maybe in the first round, but not super surprised, especially with it at, towards the end here, how many defensive players are coming off the board. And I think uh, these teams start to get a little bit of, uh, you know, um, their trigger finger starts to get a little itchy. Uh, you know, and then uh, the Bucks go Joe Tryon. Uh, outside linebacker, I think that makes sense. Even though the Bucks' uh, front four was overall pretty good, or the front seven in general, I think was overall pretty good. 
I think it's fine because the Bucks don't really need to invest in offense. And so even though they're like their defense was pretty good, that you might as well just double down on your defense. I think they could have gone with like maybe, you know, I, I, I think again, this is just an issue of like, who do you realistically pick in that spot instead? And I'm not certain that there's really a, a good answer there. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I mean, I guess maybe safety, maybe you go Trevon Morig, who like fell really far on, on this draft, you know, I mean, Trevon Morig or, um, um, you know, Rich, what was it? Richie Grant, Javon Holland. Um, I think all of those could have been really good, good options, maybe going safety, but sure. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, I mainly wanted to be able to go through the first round and kind of talk. I, I think, uh, you know, as we go further into this, I, I can't really cover every team with quite that level of scrutiny, but I will tell you that I loved again that the Bears traded up to get Tevin Jenkins. Um, they got him way back from where he really should have been picked. I think that Tevin Jenkins was a hundred percent a first round pick offensive tackle. Um, I think if you go and look at the tape, there's just no reason that considering all the tackles that were picked that, um, that he would somehow not have been a first round tackle as well. So in, in my mind, I, I think that they really, really like, uh, I, I think they really fucking stole the show on this. And, and so I, I, I'm definitely very thrilled with, with the fact that they would, uh, that, that they would end up getting him. So that is, that is awesome. Um, any other, so I don't, I think the only other, so the, uh, the Raiders kind of made up for themselves and, picked that to Trevon Morig in the uh, second round who I think he fell way too far uh, as a safety, especially with how well he was rated and how, how well he played at TCU. Um, so I think that may have been the best pick in the second round. If you just kind of look at value. Uh, but I, I think the bears actually contend again on that. Uh, and then uh, otherwise, uh, I think the Giants actually getting Aziz Zajulari out of Georgia was also an amazing pick for them. They got him. I think they got a really good value on him. And I, I think that they needed that position. So I, I think that that works really well for them that they get value and especially value at a position that they really desperately needed. Um, Pat Fryermuth coming out of Penn State for the Steelers. I think that was a great pick for the Steelers. I'm pissed. I was hoping that the Bears could get him. I was hoping that somehow we would potentially, you know, kind of at some point catch him late, uh, later. Uh, cause obviously I'm, I'm happy with the Tevin Jenkins pick. So obviously we're out on there. And I think we were out in the third round. I don't think we had a pick in the third round because of the trade, but I thought maybe there was a world in which he falls to the fourth round. Um, although we didn't have a fourth round pick either. That's right. Cause we traded it as a part of getting that second round pick. So I guess there wasn't a world in which we get him, but that would have been nice. I think that Pat Fryermuth would have been really good. I thought he was amazing at Penn state. I think he's very underrated as a tight end. 
Um, you saw Kyle Trask fall, you know, get picked by the Buccaneers at the end of the second round. I think that that makes sense, obviously, for them to try and just take a late round, sort of a, well, not a late flyer, but as far as quarterbacks go, kind of a late flyer end of the second round and, and give it a go. Um, third round, I don't think that we saw a lot of craziness, I would say. I, I think that a lot of teams, you know, so for example here, right, the, in the third round, we see that the Falcons pick an o- the offensive tackle out of Michigan, uh, Jalen Mayfield, who I think they reached on in the third round when they had plenty, like they had all of the offensive tackles available for them in the first round. So to me, that that's just one of those picks. It doesn't make any sense that why, why pick a tackle in like, because again, it's like sort of in the second round, they could have gone, they, you know, they, they could have gone. It, it just, it doesn't make any sense. Why pick that tackle in the third round uh, to me? I, I don't, I don't see like what their thinking is there. Uh, the Raiders basically picked their entire starting defense for the rest of this draft, right? I mean, they get they have two third round picks. They pick an outside linebacker and a safety. Um, you get pretty much. I, I don't think that. Again, I don't think that there was any other sort of stunning picks. I think at this point, I think it was a lot of sort of. People attempting to fill needs. I mean, what you see Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M go to the Vikings, Davis Mills out of Stanford. So you kind of, I think those are kind of the last quarterbacks that are going to go note at least. Um, So otherwise, you know, I don't think anybody like filled any sort of need that specifically you say like wow that third round pick uh, other than maybe the Raiders um the Dolphins picking Hunter Long the tight end in the third round I think makes no sense they still have Mike Kosicki I think Mike Kosicki's been really good for them and he's been underutilized by them I think that um comparatively things you could have picked instead right um if you really wanted to go uh i think you could have gone wyatt davis the guard out out of um out of ohio state i think that that would have been a good pick i think kendrick green the center out of illinois respect hail to the illini going to the steelers uh after them i think that those are both possibilities i think like going something that uh, I think an offensive lineman in the third round would have just been an objectively better pick for them. I don't think that they get anything out of going tight end there. Um, they even could have gone Trey Sermon, the Ohio State running back. I think that that would have given them more value. Um, Monty Rice, inside linebacker. Spencer Brown, I think, would have been another. Again, like, these are all people who came after them. Ben Cleveland. Um, you, you know, all these offensive linemen that are coming out. I think that all, all of them. Uh, Qu- Quinn Miners. Again, like, these offensive linemen, I, I think all of them were better picks for the Dolphins. So, to me, I, I don't see what the Dolphins are doing there. Washington football team picks a wide receiver, Diami Brown. I think Diami Brown was fine, but I, again, I, I think that <clears throat> Washington football team had other positions that they could have gone to. I mean, I guess like 
other than um, Terry McLaurin, who's like their big pass catcher for uh, uh, so at wide receiver. But again, it's like if you really wanted a difference making uh, wide receiver, I think you could have picked that earlier. Uh, but I guess their offensive and defensive lines are fine. So maybe maybe that's not such a bad pick. That's okay. Uh, the, the Packers going with Amari Rodgers. Sure, it's fine. I don't think that I I don't think wide receiver was really a need for them. I think that they could have gone uh, a different route. I think they could have gone with, you know, they they could have gone with a um, Patrick Jones, the defensive end uh, out of Pittsburgh. They could have gone Monty Rice. Um, you know, I I think a lot of these picks, Ronnie Perkins, uh, which by the way, again, Ronnie Perkins just falls to the fucking. Patriots and and is like falls way under where he was projected, and you know I I can't say that I'm the biggest expert on Ronnie Perkins, but I I was pretty I I I knew of the name I was somewhat uh, like I I know that he had the failed drug test and that he was um better than he like it's just yeah doesn't make any sense to me. Some of these picks, some of these picks don't make any sense. It's just sort of like why, why waste your third round pick on a on a position when like you could still get value at positions that you need, um, and when you obviously had bigger needs elsewhere, right? Because like my like I said, I don't think that tight end was a bigger need for the Falcons than tackle, and so they could have gotten a tackle in the first round, and they could have gotten a tight end in the second or the third round. Um. Fourth round, I think, again, is, like, not much to speak of. I think you see Chubba Hubbard coming out of Oklahoma State to the Panthers. I think that could be an interesting pick for them. Uh, I guess you did have Ian Book coming out to the Saints. That's not a, that's such a Saints fucking pick. That's just, like, a, Ian Book's just another fucking um, what's-his-face that plays there right now. Um, BYU, man. Um. Again, Raiders just continuing on. I, they draft another safety. I mean, they're just drafting their entire fucking defense, uh, which makes sense. I mean, their defense was fucking terrible. But uh, otherwise, I don't think you see I mean, you see also the, the Giants after the first round have been drafting a lot of defensive players. Um, again, here, right? So you see that the Falcons traded with Denver to end up taking a center in the fourth round, but there was a better center available in, in the second round when they went with a safety that like they, uh, you know, it's like, well, I guess it wasn't available at that point. That's yeah. Landon Dickerson had already been taken, but I don't know. See, it just, I hate to just shit on them, but I just don't see why they were doing what they were doing with their picks. Um, the bears, Take Larry Borum out of Missouri. I think this was another great pick for them. Uh, I think some people maybe consider it a reach. Maybe some people are talking about his lateral ability. Um, but it sounds like he can move to guard pretty easily, um, or right, t- or he'll be the right tackle. Uh, so I, I think that us getting just two, you know, monster young t- uh, tackles is huge for us. Uh, I think it was a big need. Obviously, it supplements the fact that we. Uh, just got a new quarterback. We want to try and keep him upright and healthy. I think that having two young tackles to come help him is huge. Um, otherwise, I think that a lot of this, you know, again, I don't think that you're seeing anything too crazy in terms of picks into the fifth round here. 
Uh, you did see the Ravens, unsurprisingly, pick a fullback. That's definitely a Ravens move is to have a fullback on the roster, right? Um, which I respect. I do. I respect it. Sixth round, um, you know, n- not uh, n- not not too much going on here, right? Again, it's sort of like one of those things. It's just, you know, everyone's kind of taking flyers. But the Bears actually did have three picks in the sixth round, and we took Khalil Herbert, the running back. I think that that's fine. I think always taking a late-round flying pick on the running back is fine because you can get so much value out of these low-pick um and undrafted free agent running backs and you know if anything happens like there's just no reason not i i think like there's no reason not to try and take a a chance here on running back at this point um they follow that up with daz newsome out of north carolina who i think was um a, a, a very nice pick and uh specifically is well regarded for his route running ability and i think that that's going to help a a young quarterback more than a speed receiver will. So I think that us getting him is also adds depth. I think that he has a chance to, um, you know, possibly get into the rotation. Uh, and then obviously we already have Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson who will largely be taking those sort of X and Y spots or X and Z spots. I believe it is. <clears throat> so I think that there's a world in which Daz Newsom can come in in like uh, three and four r- receiver sets. Um, and then we get uh, Thomas Graham, cornerback out of Oregon. Um, I think it's worth uh, I think it's worth the shot, right? Like our a corner isn't a huge need for us, but what else is actually really on the board? And like we can kind of see, hey, you know, like maybe he turns out to be a pretty good player, and if not, he can possibly be a very serviceable backup. Um. And then seventh round, we get uh, Kiris Tonga, defensive tackle out of BYU. Again, this is a like this is a massive nose tackle, right? Six two three twenty five. I think that there's certain packages in which he fits really well. I think always having D tackle depth is really good because you know the, it gets very exhausting taking double teams all the time. So I think it's very reasonable to have depth there so that you can just get him in the rotation, even if he's only going to play maybe ten snaps a game, for example. That's something. Um, and again, what else was on the board afterwards? Not, you know, n- not a whole lot to speak of. I don't think anything that, like, necessarily you're like, oh, damn, we should have gotten them instead. So it's worth the shot. See if we can get some value out of it. <clears throat> and so overall, very good draft for the Bears. I'm very happy with it. Uh, <clears throat> if you think I missed any picks that you were excited about that I didn't talk about for whatever your team is, let me know. Obviously, you know, this is kind of a short kind of rundown. I'm not going to, I, like I said, I was only going to run through the first round picks, be somewhat less, uh, intense on the second and third round picks, and then really sort of just spotty on the fourth through seventh, because it's just, it's too much for, for one man to go through, uh, at a time like this. So appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, you'll, I, I mean, I'm recording this on Monday night. I think you'll probably end up catching this episode on Tuesday. Uh, I'll see when I can schedule it to get out. So appreciate y'all. Be sure to follow, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Tell your friends about it. Send it along their way. It's like, it's hugely, hugely like 
meaningful to me whenever anybody you know gives any sort of feedback at all whether it's negative or positive all i care about is that like i'm getting feedback i'm getting people to listen i'm getting people interested in in what i'm doing uh because i think it's a lot of fun so appreciate y'all and uh peace out